Why do you deserve to be the fresh face of 1990? Because I'm a natural beauty. Lock the door. Yes, mistress. But I cannot condone the use of drugs. Name your price. system is never on our side. There's something I haven't told you. What am I going to do? You are going to trust me. All right, y'all, welcome back to the House of Poser podcast. This is the Carefree Black Nerd official review of Pose from FX. And uh, thank you all for joining in. When you're listening to this episode, use that hashtag PoserPod. And that will be in the show notes. Let me know what you think. Let's make this a conversation. Before jumping right in, this is episode season two, episode three, Butterfly Cocoon. Now, before getting into this episode, I do want to go ahead and issue a, a quick apology. Guys, I know this show has been behind. It's honestly, life has just gotten in the way. Personal, professional, and D, all of the above. So much has been going on. I'm trying to stay on top of the recordings, but honestly, I am just exhausted. Um, yeah, I'm tired, y'all. You know, I do a lot of shows and I do a lot of work and I shake a little something at the pyramid and then I do it all again the next day. So forgive me for the delay. Bear with me. Might have to double up on some episodes only because I'm I'm tired. I'm tired, y'all. If I'm being quite honest and frank and transparent, it ain't enough hours in the day. So with that being said, uh, Butterfly Cocoon season two, episode three. Now, A fatal mishap with the client leads Electra to seek out the console of Blanca and Candy. Moving from friends to lovers proves to be a challenging challenge for Angel and Lil Poppy. Uh, running down real quick, this episode was good. Now, we did have a quick little hiatus between this episode and the next, but as usual, Pose is firing on all friggin' cylinders. Kudos to the entire team. I think they've just been nominated for an Emmy. Uh, I'm not good with awards and award season, so I could be saying that wrong. If so, correct me in the comments. Hell, uh, y'all. So, Electra was on some some bullshit. Uh, Angel got her, you know, chance at being a beautiful butterfly. Um, she was kind of going back and forth with the the modeling agency. And what I love about Angel's storyline is that she showed up. Blanca pushed her, you know, it kind of backfired a little. She got a little bit of head, you know, got knocked back a couple steps, but still pushed through. Made it so far as to be interviewed by this modeling company. What was it? Um, I'm not sure what the name of the company is, but she, she, she got far enough to be interviewed on camera. And homegirl was like, you know, something, why are you the fresh face or whatnot? Angel looked at her, answered the question very much Miss Congeniality-like. And they were like, oh, okay, that's good. And she hit him with the, uh-uh, hold the fuck up. You didn't ask me why I wanted to be the Fresh Face of 1990. So, already, Angel has grown in this role. And that's something I like about this show. We're not getting baby steps. Like, I mean, we kind of are, but we kind of not. Like, she, we know that she wants to be a model. We're getting people faced with... Having your dreams, but then dealing with this nightmare behind the dreams. So her, she wants to be this model. She wants to be this beautiful uh, woman who's seen as a woman by millions, if not the entire world. And she has all of the talent that would allow that. But this little thing being that she's a trans woman. And if that comes out in that day and age, hell, even in this day and age, sometimes 
it's going to be detrimental to her career. And so she has the maneuver in a way where I'm going to get ahead, but I know that there is a line invisible or otherwise that I can't cross or I can't let be stepped on by other people. But yet she's still going for it. Like, hey, oh God, this whole show is just perfect, man. Um, the other thing I like about this season is that they're taking actual stories. So when we saw Angel's story, I was like, oh, this sounds very familiar. And then we get to Electra's story, which is very much familiar. And then we get to, it, they're taking a lot of stories from the girls from way back in the day. Now, take my community card or whatever, but I forget the, the model who Angel's story is uh, mimicking. But I remember seeing her at a mall, maybe Saks, maybe, hell, JCPenney's or something, for a modeling competition much like the way the angel was portrayed and i remember seeing it on that like vhs looking uh uh video quality and thinking oh this motherfucker she got it so man i know that you have to be leading up to paris is burning like we're taking these stories from people in this community but either we're leading up to paris is burning or the this season the 90s will be Paris is burning. And for those of you who don't know, look it up. It's on Netflix. Watch it and get back to me. Now, India Moore tends across the board. We go to her at a ball. Just, ah, shutting it the fuck down. Um, and yeah, so I said, I tweeted that all of the success was stressing me out. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm much like the characters in the show and probably others who watch the show. Kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, because we've been conditioned to, to, to think that these people do not deserve good things. And not only are they queer and people of color, but they're also poor. These are not affluent uh, people in this community. And so having all of that piled on top of this transness and this gay boy voguing around the damn city and shit, it's like, yeah, you're getting this success, but at what cost? So even though Angel will probably end up with a happy ending, we don't know that for sure. And it's, it's worrying me. <laughs> um, so we find out that Electra is um, a dominatrix. I'll just say that. Now, I'm not 100% sure if that is the exact title for her. I'm going with that because it's the closest that I know of. If I'm incorrect, please let me know in the comments or tweet me, Carefree Blurred, use that hashtag, PoserPod. But I I see that um, she's dressed up in lingerie with whips and chains and nah, 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 come on, come on, S&M type shit. And her and this dude, Paul, I believe his name is, you know, they fucked around. Paul is doing poppers and stuff, and she's like, I don't do drugs, I don't like drugs, I don't like drugs around here, which is so, I love Electra because she is this high and mighty, bougie ass, uh, for lack of a better term, boss, I ain't even gonna say bitch, she's the boss, and she's fallen from grace several times, but every time she still holds her head up high, and you've gotten to this position where you are fulfilling a need, a fantasy, and it is, you're doing work that is just sex work. Let's call it what it is. There there may not be penetration on her end, 
there's still it's still considered sex work. But you're um, providing a service that most would be looking down on, and we know that because even she said to herself when uh, the chick was like, one of the girls who work where was like, now you can stop doing this and. Um, you and you can you know you can stop doing your day job at the the restaurant and you could just do this. She's like, no, this will fund me and that job will keep me elbows or shoulders with the elite, something like that. Um, but yeah, I like that she is very much in this role in this space and still nose held high, head held high, and that's not a critique. I mean, it's not anything negative. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm still the shit. I don't care if I'm whipping you across your balls with this damn whip or I'm tying you up. I'm still just as fabulous and as bougie and as glamorous as I am on that ballroom floor and as I am when I'm rubbing shoulders with these wealthy white folks in Manhattan. So I did like that about her. Um, But we find out, I, I guess the guy, Paul, or whoever wanted to offer her more money to do drugs for him to do drugs. Let me clear that up. Electra didn't do drugs. And she allowed him and she took a little 20 minute break while he did his drugs, came back and that motherfucker was dead. Hanging from a sex swing and like a leather outfit with vomit coming out of his mouth. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) This is some silly shit. So in true Electra fashion, she runs back to her daughter, showed up at Blanca house. They go through a bunch of shit. Blanca's like, no, nah, we got to call the police. Uh, Electra's like, no, nah, they end up at Candy's strip club, at the strip club where Candy works, which I didn't know Candy was a stripper, but kudos to Angelica Ross. She was working that motherfucking pole. I mean, upper body strength, lower body strength, ass cheeks clapping, all that. She was getting it. So kudos to her. But Candy tells her the real, no, fuck that nigga. Drop him off somewhere and let somebody find his dead body or get rid of the body. Um... I like that we got this. Okay, we know that Electra is an asshole for a lot of the time she's on screen. And we know that these three women are in competing houses, but they also come from the same house of abundance. And they all are in this community and they all are in a sisterhood. And though that isn't something that I can 100% not empathize, 100% um, know what that is like. The dynamic between these three women, not including the other women that come on screen, because we get a cautionary tale through a different trans woman who is a full-figured, brown-skinned trans woman. I was just saying, like, I don't know how I feel about the way that this show is handling trans women when it comes to colorism, because trust me, everyone's red, except for Electra and Candy, and yet... Electra is kind of the exception, but Candy is treated like dog shit every time she's fucking on screen. That's been annoying me for quite some time. Um, so all of that happens. We get Candy showing up and uh, to, back to Blanca's, and then the the, the full figured uh, trans woman shows up. And she's telling the story about look, Electra, you can't go to the cops. Blanca's like, oh, I was arrested before. I'm protested at a bar and some other shit. She's like, yeah, but you ain't murder nobody. That's some petty shit that police officers got to get their quota so they'll lock you up for a night or two, send you on your way. This shit, so the woman recounts her story or recants, tells the story of her. She's a sex worker performing a sexual act on this man, this older white man. And the way it's framed or the way the, the, the visual is given is that 
he couldn't stay erect. And he said something like, oh, you're, you're using too much tea for something. And she's like, oh, um, they call me such and such, but they one thing they ain't never said is that I use too much tea for whatever else. So that's the context we get. Soon as she made that comment, this man started whooping her ass. So she opens up the door, crawling out of the door, trying to get away. It's very graphic. Now, we don't see the sexual stuff, but we do see the physical violence. And it's important the way they're telling this story because what we're seeing on our screen, though entertaining and part of the story, is real life. It is a fact that trans women, specifically black trans women, are murdered and essentially thrown away on a very um, 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 a large amount, quite often, I'll say. This story, while I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, this is entertaining. I'm cringing. I understand what's going on here. What happens is the man, when because the police pulled up right as she was crawling across the street trying to get away, and they lock her up because he didn't say, oh, I tried to give her a ride, and then she attacked me, and this and that, which then goes back to how trans women, trans people, but how trans, black trans women have to maneuver in the world and though this is set in the 80s and 90s things have changed but things are still the same the more things change the more things stay the same and again you you're watching a show that's imparting so much wisdom so much knowledge so much history that i don't i think a lot of people probably don't even understand like we get it we get it. If you're listening to this show, you get it. But there are a lot of people that's just watching this because it's entertaining. You go, oh, look at how they dress up in drag and look at the slang and this and that. And it's more than aesthetics. This show is more than uh, a, a, a dip and twirl or a winning a trophy for this getting your tins and reading and shading. It's more than that. When you get stories like this, again, it's happening in a flash. I think that story with that woman may have took like five to seven minutes on screen. But it was very important that you see this story. And though it can be just entertaining for some because, hell, we desensitize this violence everywhere. I'm hoping that it was a wake-up call for others. Like, it's... And then this is a... This is a trans woman who... And again, I don't... I don't even begin to act like I've walked in those shoes. But this is a trans woman that is... I think for all intents and purposes, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is... Passing, I'll say that if that isn't offensive, if so, please let me know and I'll correct it. But is a a passing trans woman, but even within her being passing, she's still visually a fat, black, dark skinned woman. So she's going to be treated a very different way than say like an angel India Moore, or like a cis woman who is the epitome of femininity. So again, I just I think this show is so. Mm, just to see the differences in stories. We see angels rise to fame and we see this spiraling out of control that's going on with Elektra. Um, all in all, with Elektra's story, her and Candy make their way back to homegirl's hood. Uh, the Latina trans woman from last season who did the butt job that had Candy sick. Um, we go back to her because she takes care of problems and what they do is they fold this motherfucker up they wrap him up real tight put him in a suitcase at the back of Electra's closet and that's where he remains and it's such a dark 
and beautiful and honest story. Um, and forgive me again, I forget the woman who this story was based off of. And I think it was a book written called like the dead body of the drag queen's closet, something like that. Forgive me, y'all. I'm just, I'm trying to get this out and I don't want to, um, I know that's incorrect, but it's something along those lines. But again, these stories, again, though they are entertaining and they're happening to characters who we've grown to love over the first season, I like that this season, not that we didn't get it in the first season, but really heavily we're getting stories from actual history and the stuff that's not in history books. This ain't something you're going to open up an American history book and read about, you know, the House of Ebony or the House of LaBeja or the House of Revlon. You're not about to read about that in a history book. So the next best thing is what most people are going to consume, which is media. And you get this in these seasons. You're going to get these Blu-rays and these DVDs, these streaming services, these live tweet sessions. Um, join me to live tweet. Use the hashtag PoserPod. But it's you're getting this interactive history where we're able to talk to these girls and get their take on uh, the things that have happened. The writer's room. Janet Mott. Oh, and forgive me. Everyone else who was associated with the show. But we know that this show is given and handled with care in a way that people, I know so many people just don't get, man. Like this is, this is real history that we're watching on screen. And then not even the history that you won't read about, which is the houses and, you know, the drag queens and the trans folks and the scene kids who had to go through X, Y, and Z. You're also getting the HIV AIDS epidemic. You're getting how that happened. You're getting the things that went on culturally that you might read about here and there, but you're getting a, uh, a kind of um, first word of mouth um, retelling of this. We are able to be immersed in it because it is a visual medium. It's not just me telling you a story or one of the older persons in the community telling a story. And then on top of that, think about Stonewall. Are we going to eventually end up there? Like, is it, I just, I just want, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I'm just excited about this show. Um, about the the community being involved about the um um just about it all just about it all um and this this pride this year um was the 50th anniversary of the stonewall riots um so will we get a flashback so think of we started in the 80s we're now in the 90s we get this show that follows a particular group of people and it's already set in the past are we going to possibly get some flashbacks to the Stonewall riots? Are we going to have these iconic trans women and people of the community from back then being, um, uh, not recasted, um, what shit, casted as trans persons of today and retell that story? Because again, y'all remember that Stonewall movie that came out where it was like centered some fictional gay white man who threw the first stone or whatever. Like we remember that we remember that Hollywood. Like, are we going to get a second chance at the actual retelling of that story? Like, man, this show, I don't know y'all. Um, so that being said, uh, candy dealing with a lot of shit in this episode, candy coming through in this episode, um, in love with her. She is authentically her unapologetically her through and through. And candy made a comment about, 
um, who was that, Paul? That's that motherfucker who used to slap girls around at the strip club. And she said it more than once. But the way I took that line, and you guys let me know if, if I'm pulling, grasping at straws here, but I, the way I took that was Electra was very upset about Paul dying on her watch. And not wanting to go to jail, of course, but wanting to give him a proper burial or at least get him to his family. And it seemed like Candy was saying these things as if Paul was just this horrible person to kind of ease Electra's mind with everything they were doing. Because it, it, it came out of nowhere, um, especially because there was a guy at the strip club, I believe, when the girl showed up who like was aggressive with the women at the at the strip club. So I was just like it was it was it was odd. It was odd and I felt like she did that to try to ease Electra's mind, which it really didn't. Um we had a nice kind of mm, funeral scene in Electra's bedroom with the uh Hispanic woman, Candy and Electra. And they folded that tiny man up and put him in that suitcase and that was some Oh boy, that was some that was some shit. Uh, but again, to watch all that and to then at the end let it be told in the same episode, this was something real that happened. Oh, heavy. Uh, we also got Angel and Poppy. Now I love me some little Poppy. Whoever is doing the writing for his character this season is fucking killing it. Lil Poppy is doing the motherfucking thing, uh, and then the fact that he is in love with this trans woman. And he is showing his love for this trans woman. And he is not being afraid. Because Lil Poppy has never come off as gay to me. Um, even in the last season, I think he did only deal with trans women and cis women. Because it was a comment made about Ricky being on the pier sleeping with pretty much anybody. Um, I'd have to go back and rewatch that. But I think... Poppy was only written as either non-sexual in most scenes. And when his sexuality was referenced, it was towards women. And I don't know if it was, I feel like they said trans women, but I'm not sure. Hmm. So Poppy waiting at a restaurant because he told Andrew, you know, let me take you on a date, whatever else. Angel agreed. Again, guys, remember this is the 80s. So the modeling company who declined Angel calls her back. She going there with an attitude like, what the fuck y'all want? Like, y'all wasting my motherfucking time. And homegirl's like, look, I got a job for you. You weren't perfect for this, but I think you are perfect for this. This job being some like lip gloss or lipstick that Angel wears all the time and all the, all the chicks wear. Um, she freaks out like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do it. But... Her going to this photo shoot, which was right away, which, see, I, modeling isn't my thing, so maybe this is just foreign to me, and you guys let me know, maybe it's a sign of the times, but when that woman gave Angel that job, I just assumed, I just as soon assumed it would be like a job for tomorrow or a job for this weekend. She was like, no, they need to see you right now. I was like, What? Like, there are no cell phones there. What if Angel hadn't have gotten that message? Or what if she had got it late and showed up to the original modeling agency late? Which would make her even late for the photo shoot. It was just such a weird... I don't know. So, Angel's going and her career is going to advance. They're making beautiful pictures of her. She is the lead in these three women who are on uh, camera. But that all comes at the expense of 
losing the date with Lil Poppy. We show him waiting at the restaurant with roses or flowers in hand. And the thing is, like, what do you do? Do you go ahead and advance your career? Um, or do you not? So all that happened. Now, um, Poppy and Angel. Whew, that's all I can say. Poppy and Angel. Hell, Poppy lets Angel know. Which is was so beautiful because like, me and everyone else on Twitter just expected for him to be upset. Poppy lets Angel know, look, you got to do what's right for you. You got to get your prize. You got to advance your career. You had to do what you had to do. Yeah, he's sad. But he lets him know, you know, when you're done, when you're ready, I'm going to be right here. And that's something that kind of was off-putting to me, but I digress. I, whatever. He also says... Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, but you got to understand, I am a prize too. I'm not one to be looked up. I have never seen on camera someone profess their love and admiration for a trans woman, how Poppy did. Well, really at all. At all, without it being a trick or it's, oh, he's going to eventually find out she's quote unquote a man. I haven't seen any, because this scene between Poppy and Angel could have very well been in any other show. You could have swapped them out for anybody. You could have put Beyonce and Nick Cannon. You could have put Sarah Jessica Parker and George Michael. You could like you could have put any pairing of lovers or romantic interest in any show, and this would have still been a good scene, which is a testament to good writing because it's not her transness that makes this her desirable. It's not her transness that makes uh, that makes this work. Her transness isn't a intrinsic part of this scene. That actually means absolutely nothing when you're looking at this scene in the last few scenes. because And he's not treating her like, you're my project. You're my pet. You're my, this thing to put on a pedestal because you have this thing about you that's so different. He's not fetishizing her. He wants her and he wants to be with her. And that, whoo, I've never seen that. Never. And for me, a cis male to watch this and to come away from this scene with like a swelled up heart and love for Poppy and wanting Poppy and Angel to be together. I can only imagine with trans women watching this and even that trans adolescent that isn't able to be themselves or who even is able to, but maybe don't think they'll be fine love or whatever else. At this point, I'm just kind of pulling shit from the air, but it goes without saying, just like my critique of everything else, when you get people who are in the community of the characters in your book, your show, your TV, your movie, you get a much better and thoughtful story. And this, my friends, was a very thoughtful story that I want to see more of. Even if Poppy and Angel do not work out, the fact that we got this collection of scenes from them is very much like, if you guys remember the LA Complex, somebody supercut uh, Tyreek and, what's that nigga, Andre Fuller's character, their scenes together, where in this larger story or show, their DL love affair, taking the like DLness out of it, it was a very interesting and whirlwind relationship. 
a bit unhealthy because there's a lot of abuse. And so maybe I shouldn't compare it to that. Ooh, that was a poor example. But all that being said, representation is key. And this storyline with Angel and Poppy is one I want to watch to the very end. Like, if these motherfuckers become house mother and house father of the house of Evangelista, bruh, bruh, I want to see this. Um, so I'm going to end it right there. Y'all let me know what you thought of this episode. I freaking loved it. You know that much. Do you let me know in the comments and tweet me carefree blurred. You said hashtag poser pot. What do you think about Angel and Poppy? Is that something that you want to see? Is it something that you're against? Let me know why or why not. You know, I'm all for it, but I do want even for those of you who don't like them together. Let me know. Additionally, what do you guys think about these stories that we're getting where some of you might not have known and some of you may have known that like the story with Electra, the story with Angel and some stories that are coming later on are based off of actual events that have happened. Like, what do you think about that? And then not even that, just the whole HIV epidemic and the treatment of trans and queer persons way back in the 80s, in the 90s and how they had to maneuver. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'd love to make this a conversation. So... Again, guys, as usual, I am Rain Coleman, the Carefree Blur, Carefree Black Nerd. I appreciate you guys for listening into this episode of The House of Poser. Uh, my favorite of this episode would have to go to Poppy, hands down. Electra did good. Candy did well. Angel was superb. Blanca was great as usual, but I have to go with Lil Poppy. He killed it for me. The emotion through his face, body language, his words, his tone, his inflection, he fucking killed it. Favorite scene was him telling Angel, I matter. I'm a prize too. Because not even for the queer side of things with it being a trans woman and a guy. I don't know if he's considered heterosexual or not. We don't get this in other scenes. We'll get the flip side where it's a woman like, you know, you're not going to treat me this way because I'm a prize or I matter too. I don't recall seeing too many shows or movies where a man was on that end telling a woman, look, I matter. You know, I'm a prize. I'm going to stand up in this. Happy for you. Kudos for you, sis. Doing what you got to do. But I matter. So, Poppy is the favorite. That's my favorite scene. And who gets my... Well, Poppy got my tens across the board. What is my least favorite? Really, had no least favorite. This was a phenomenal as episode, period. So, guys... Please come back and join me next week for another episode of House of Poser. Join the house. Let me know in the comments and all that. Follow me on all social medias. Twitter, Carefree Blur, the most immediate way to get in touch with me. Carefree Black Nerd on all other social media sites. Use that hashtag CBNPod and PoserPod. And let me know if you'd like to maybe come on and join me for another episode of PoserPod before the season ends. Um, any trans persons, queer persons, older persons, persons from back in the 80s and 90s, persons in houses right now let me know um i'd love to have another perspective another voice on because this season is firing on all cylinders and um i don't know what to think <laughs> so all that being said guys thank you so much for tuning in uh join me next week and until next time stay carefree stay nerdy stay geeky and don't fold up a man and put him in your suitcase after you killed him go to the police god damn it i mean come on <laughs>